Hello, and welcome to Embassy City Church Podcast. This is a place where all people can experience the love of God through the Word of God. Our prayer is that you will be inspired and transformed. Thank you for joining us today. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go to 2 Samuel chapter number 6. 2 Samuel chapter number 6. We have been in a series called Growth Spurt. We are still in that series. This is our fifth week in this series. And uh, there are some things that I want to share with you today that I'm super excited about. Uh, There's a context that I want to give you to God's presence that I hope uh, will make you fall in love with it again, uh, make you more attracted to his presence and want to be in it as much as you can. So I'm going to read 23 verses in uh, 2 Samuel chapter number 6, and then I'll give you the title of the message, uh, then we'll go and see what the Lord would say. Is that all right? Here's what it says, 2 Samuel uh, chapter number 6, verse number 1. Then David again gathered all the elite troops in Israel, 30,000 in all. He led them to Bala of Judah to bring back the ark of God, which bears the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, who is enthroned between the cherubim. They placed the ark of God on a new cart and brought it from Abinadab's house, which is which was on a hill. Uzzah and Ohio, not Cleveland, (laughs) Abinadab's sons were guiding the cart that carried the ark of God. Ohio walked in front of the ark. David and all the people of Israel were celebrating before the Lord, singing songs and playing all kinds of musical instruments, lyres, harps, tambourines, castanets, and cymbals. But when they arrived at the threshing floor of Nacon, the oxen stumbled and Uzzah reached out his hand and steadied the ark of God. Then the Lord's anger was aroused against Uzzah and God struck him dead because of this. Dang. So Uzzah died right there beside the ark of God. David was angry because the Lord's anger had burst out against Uzzah. He named that place Perez Uzzah, which means to burst out against Uzzah, as it is still called today. David was now afraid of the Lord, and he asked, how can I ever bring the ark of the Lord back into my care? So David decided not to move the ark of the Lord into the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom of Gath. The ark of the Lord remained there in Obed-Edom's house for three months, And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and his entire household. Then King David was told, the Lord has blessed Obed-Edom's household and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David was like, that's enough of that. (laughs) David went there and brought the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with a great celebration. After the men who were carrying the ark of the Lord had gone six steps David sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. I just want you to, can I just pause real quick? I just want you to imagine he's had, he tried to bring the presence of God back the first time, represented in the, uh, the Ark of the Covenant, and uh, a disaster happened, right? Uzzah tries to do something nice, but, but it goes against the protocol of the way that the Ark is supposed to be stewarded, and he drops dead. He's like, stop! Comes back after 90 days, carries it the right way, and after six steps of seeing it move in the right direction, he stops and has a party. When he sees God's presence headed in the direction that he's headed in, 
He doesn't wait till it gets to his final destination. He is so happy to see God's presence moving in the direction he's moving. He stops and gives him praise right there. One, two, three, four, five, six. I mean, poor cow, whoever was around, turned around and just cut the cows, sacrificed the cow right there. And David danced before the Lord with all his might, wearing a priestly garment. So David and all the people of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy and blowing of ram's horns. But as the ark of the Lord entered the city of David, Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked down from her window. When she saw David, King David, leaping and dancing before the Lord, she was filled with contempt for him. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in the place inside the special tent David had prepared for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings to the Lord. When he had finished his sacrifices, David blessed the people in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. This is a nice David right here. Then he gave to every Israelite man and woman in the crowd a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins. Dessert for everyone. Eat. Then all the people returned to their homes. When David returned home to bless his own family, the daughter of Saul, Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him. She said in disgust how distinguished the king of Israel looked today, shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls like any vulgar person might do. David retorted to Michael, I was dancing before the Lord. And this is how you know this was an argument. (laughs) Who chose me above your father? (laughs) And all his family. (laughs) Present company included. He appointed me as the leader of Israel, the people of the Lord. So I celebrate before the Lord. Yes. And I am willing to look even more foolish than this. Even to be humiliated in my own eyes. But those servant girls you mentioned will indeed think I'm distinguished. (laughs) Listen, that's. Listen. Listen, don't take notes on this part. If you're in a relationship, this is not the way. There are better tools that we can use now to alleviate drama. Just just stirred it up. This last verse is, this is harsh. So Michael, the daughter of Saul, remained childless throughout her entire life. Now, I want to make sure you have context to this. This was not a punishment by God. This was not God making her womb barren. David was never intimate with Michael again from that day on. Here's the title of this message, and I want you to write this down. Four words. Bring God's presence home. Bring God's presence home. Bow your heads. Let's pray over the word, shall we? Holy Spirit, we invite you home. 
Amen. Amen. To understand the context to what's going on in 2 Samuel, chapter number 6, we have to go back to 1 Samuel. Actually, we have to go back further than 1 Samuel to the book of Exodus. After the children of Israel had been captive uh, to Egyptian rule for almost 500 years, they are freed in a miraculous way. They cross the Red Sea in a miraculous fashion. They are sustained in the wilderness for 40 years. And during that time, God said, hey, I want to make sure you know how much I want to be with you. So I'm going to give you some specifications. I'm going to give you some instructions to build me a tabernacle. I'm going to give you some instructions to build an ark of the covenant. What's the ark of the covenant? You'll figure it out. What template do we have? Don't worry about it. I have a pattern for you. And they made everything God told them to make according to his specifications. And the Ark of the Covenant, if you've ever seen a picture of it, is just a small box that was carried uh, with two wooden sticks, two rings on each side. Four people would carry it at about their shoulder. That's how it was supposed to be transported, but it literally was a physical representation of God's presence in the earth. God wanted to be with his people so bad and wanted to be known among them so much that he said, I want you to take some wood, dip it in gold. I want you to beat together some gold and make some angels facing each other. My presence is going to come in the middle of that. The God of the universe is, 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 is so in love with us that we can take the mere uh, elements of the things around us and he goes, I'll show up there. I, I know it's not as elaborate as what I have in heaven, but if this is the best you have to work with, I will show up and be with you where you are. I don't need you to have it all together. I just want you to do your best to put it together, and I'll show up. So everywhere they went, they carried the Ark of the Covenant with them, and when they had the Ark of the Covenant, they were bold. They, they, they were confident. They knew God's presence is with us. How many of you, when you walk into certain seasons of your life or certain situations, you walk in bolder when you know God is with me in this? I, I know that God is with me in this situation, and so I'm going to come out great on the other side. I'm not worried about it because his presence is with me. Well, they had their pre his presence with them. But when you get into 1 Samuel, what we find is a prophet whose eyes have gone dim. He is not correctly representing God's word. In that season of his life, his sons are into so much lasciviousness and debauchery that they wind up losing their God-given position. And they lose that position, and the Philistines come in and take the literal, tangible expression of God's presence out of Israel. There's four points that I have to this message, and I want you to write this first one down, and I'll give you context to the reason why this is my first point. Point number one, 
to the four things to know about God's presence. This is if you're a nerd and you're taking notes and you needed to know, okay, tell me how to set this up. Because I know this, y'all are trained now. You're like, give me my points. <laughs> the four things to know about God's presence, okay? The four things to know about God's presence. Point number one, write this down. God's presence is everywhere, but he can't be enjoyed anywhere. I'm going to let that marinate for a minute. Are you sure, Tim? If his presence is everywhere, then he can be enjoyed anywhere. I'm going to say it again. God's presence is everywhere, but he can't be enjoyed just anywhere. Here's what it says in 1 Samuel chapter number 5, verse number 1. After the Philistines captured the ark of God, they took it from the battleground at Ebenezer to the town of Ashdod. So now they took the ark of the covenant, God's tangible presence in the earth among his people, and brought it to Ashdod where they lived. They carried the ark of God into the temple of Dagon and placed it beside an idol of Dagon. But when the citizens of Ashdod went to see it the next morning, Dagon had fallen with his face to the ground in front of the ark of the Lord. So they took Dagon and put him in his place again. Let me pause. I want you to imagine an inanimate object, ark of the, of the covenant, goes into the treasury and temple of their god, Dagon. Overnight, this ark is there, inanimate object, and Dagon is there, an idol carved out of stone, inanimate object. When they wake up, Dagon is face down in front of the God box. <laughs> and they come in like, huh, man, that's really heavy. Dagon, how did he get down here, right? Oh, let's put him back up. I don't know how that happened. Was there an earthquake last night? Anybody walk in here? He's too heavy to just be bumped into and it fall over and they go away. The next morning, the same thing happened. Dagon had fallen face down before the ark of the Lord again. This time, though, his head and hands had broken off and were lying in the doorway. Only the trunk of his body was left intact. This is God's meaning of, I'm about to break you off. <laughs> just so you know. That is why to this day, neither the priests of Dagon nor anyone who enters the temple of Dagon in Ashdod will step on its threshold. Then the Lord's heavy hand <laughs> struck the people of Ashdod and the nearby villages with a plague of tumors. When the people realized what was happening, they cried out, we can't keep the ark of God, the ark of the God of Israel here any longer. He is against us. He will all, he, we will all be destroyed along with Dagon, our God. God's presence is everywhere, but they couldn't enjoy it anywhere. So they called together the rulers of the Philistine towns and asked, well, what should we do with the ark of the God of Israel? Uh, the rulers discussed it, and they replied, uh, move it to the town of Gath. Just get it out of here. <laughs> I don't care where you take it, just take it away from here. So they moved the ark of the God of Israel to Gath. 
But when the ark arrived at Gath, the Lord's heavy hand fell on its men, young and old. He struck them with a plague of tumors, and there was a great panic. So they sent the ark of God to the town of Ekron. But when the people of Ekron saw it coming, <laughs> it hadn't even got there yet. <laughs> they saw it coming. They cried out, they are bringing the ark of the God of Israel here to kill us too. <laughs> it's coming. We're going to die. The people summoned the Philistine rulers again and begged them, please send the ark of the God of Israel back to his own country or it will kill us all. For the deadly plague from God had already begun and great fear was sweeping across the town. Those who didn't die were afflicted with tumors and the cry from the town rose to heaven. They said, we got to get him out of here. Now, let me fill in the, the, the pieces that are missing here. What they, what they did is they went to some wise people, and the wise people told them, okay, here's what we got to do. Make some, uh, what's broken out in the land? Okay, some tumors, and, and, and there's rats everywhere. Okay, so make some gold tumors. I don't know how you make gold tumors. But they made gold tumors, and they made some gold rats. They'd be like, maybe that ought to appease them. And they said, let's get two baby cows that have never been yoked together, and let's get two brand-new cows and put the cows yoked with the Ark of the Covenant, and let's just see, let's just try to get it out of here. Let's, let's let them walk out of here. So they yoked it to the, to, to the, the, the cows, the Ark of the Covenant, and they just kind of tapped on the, the cows, and the cows just started, <laughs> baby cows just started moving. And the cows moved straight out of Philistine territory, right back into Israeli territory. And they watched it go, and they were like, keep going, cows. Keep going, cows. Keep going, cows. Yay. Because his presence is everywhere. But it can't be enjoyed just anywhere. See, 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 I I have heard believers try to justify... (laughs) Where they're taking the presence of God yeah. Yeah. for evangelistic purposes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I had to go to the club. Yeah. <laughs> because how are we going to be a light <laughs> if we're not where they are? Well, if the presence in you doesn't change the atmosphere, yeah. Yeah. you can't enjoy his presence there. Yeah. Well, you you, you know, uh, the reason why I go to the trap house (laughs) is an effective witness place. Yeah, if you get them out of it. But if you're hanging out in the trap house, this is not evangelism. You're a junkie. (laughs) I use the 80s term. Nobody uses junkie anymore. God's presence is everywhere, but he can't just be enjoyed just anywhere. You have to be able to change the atmosphere. So I used to be a young adult pastor, and when I was a young adult pastor, uh, we used to have these things called the after parties. The after parties took place after uh, the service, and we would go all over the DFW Metroplex. The, the most successful thing that we did is go to restaurants. If we went to movies, the attendance wasn't so good, but anytime we went to a restaurant, people loved to eat. And so we, we would average uh, a minimum 70, we would, we would show up to a restaurant 75 people deep, minimum. Sometimes we'd be at 120, 130 people. Can you just imagine Friday night, 90 people just walk up into a restaurant? 
The management is like, oh, oh, oh. do you come in peace? And we're like, we're here to eat. And they're like, oh, thank God. Thank God. We went to this IHOP one time, and we had so many people that they were like, I'm sorry, uh, it's going to be a way. The only thing that we have available is the smoking section. And then we had a couple of deep people, deep spiritual people with us that night that were like, oh, no. My God can't be in the smoking section. I have to keep him holy. And then I said, Y'all with us? Okay. <laughs> I said, hey, y'all, if we all sit down in the smoking section, there will be no more smoking section. <laughs> <laughs> we changed the entire atmosphere. And we tipped the waiters and the waitresses so well, they were singing our praises as they brought us the Rudy Tootie Fresh and Fruity. <laughs> If you're going to take God's presence out into the world, make sure that you are the one that's changing the atmosphere and not allowing the atmosphere to change you. Point number two, please write this down. God's presence fits in your house. God's presence fits in your house. Here's what it says in 2 Samuel 6 and 10. So David decided not to move the ark of the Lord into the city of David. Instead, he took it into the house of Obed-Edom of Gath. The ark of the Lord remained there in Obed-Edom's house for three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and his entire household. Now, this thing is amazing to me. Obed-Edom won the ark of the covenant lottery. He was not checking for this ark. He wasn't praying that it came into his home. It just so happened something tragic had happened because they were not stewarding God's presence the way he required them to steward it. And so what happened was they said, well, there's a dude named Obed that lives right here. They were like, put it in his house. And so they moved the ark of the Lord into Obed-Edom's house. And over the next 90 days, blessings upon blessings upon blessings hit Obed-Edom's house. So amazing that God was like, wherever you put me, where I'm received, I will bless. I don't care what it is. Obed-Edom was not second in command to David. He was not a Levitical priest. He was a random guy that just found God's presence in his house. And because Obed-Edom made room for it to be there, God said, I can leave my blessing here. After 90 days, they heard about how blessed Obed-Edom was getting, and David said, we got to figure out a way (laughs) to get this to the house. Can you imagine them coming to repo the Ark of the Covenant? (laughs) And Obed looking out the window like, oh... All right, honey. All right, honey. Rub it or do something. Get some more blessings off that thing. We got to give it back. Okay? So they come and get it. But this is why I know that God wants, that, that God, that, that God wants to be in your house. Uh, because David takes the Ark of the Covenant to a place that I feel is lesser than Obed-Edom's house. 1 Samuel 6 and 17 says this. They brought the Ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the special what? Tent? 
how anticlimactic is this? Inside the special tent, David had prepared for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings to the Lord. You mean to tell me that, that, that we used to have a tabernacle where there was an outer court, inner court, and the holies of holies. And we went from there to it being in Ashdod in a temple of Dagon. And it goes from there to being in Obed-Edom's house. And the place that you're happy to bring the presence of God back to is a tent? What makes the tent special? His presence does. There's nothing really special about the tent, except that David made room for God's presence. And when you make room for God's presence, God says, I can dwell there. If you make room in your schedule to be with God, God said, I will come be with you. If you draw nigh to me, I will come close to you. And so if you are making an effort to be in my presence, I will meet you where you are. My mother worked for the LAPD for 30 years. And uh, for many years during her lunch break, she would uh, take that time, not eat, and, and spend time with God. And do you know where she spent the majority of that time? In the women's restroom. Sitting on a stall, reading her Bible, weeping, and enjoying God's presence. In the middle of a stall, in the women's restroom, God's presence became tangible to my mom. She could feel him with her. If he can fit in a random house of a guy named Obed and show up in a tent pitched by David, he wants to show up in your heart in the same way. Which brings us to point number three. God's presence is to be celebrated. God's presence is to be celebrated. Here's what it says, 2 Samuel 6 and 12. Then David was told, the Lord has blessed Obed-Edom's household and everything he has because of the ark of the Lord. So David went there and brought the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with a great celebration. After the men who were carrying the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, David sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. And David danced before the Lord with all his might, wearing a priestly garment. Let me pause. Have you ever seen somebody dance with all they might? I mean, all they might. We're not talking about the convenient dances we have going around here. You know, the, the dances that we do is usually at every wedding. Nobody wants to dance. We're like, yay, father-daughter dance, yay. Oh, first dance with the bride and groom. And then the Cuban shuffle comes on, and you're like, I'm obligated. <laughs> have to break a sweat. It's a low-maintenance dance. <laughs> Electric shuffle comes on, low-maintenance dance. 
Macarena comes on, low maintenance dance. You can do it. I have seen people Cuban shuffle for 40 minutes, not break a sweat. Just... <laughs> David had God's presence coming back to Israel after 40 years of an absence of the physical representation of God's presence in Israel. After 40 years, it was coming back home. David went to like, ah, he's coming home ah, to my house. And he did it with a priestly garment on. So he didn't have on a Run DMC jumpsuit. He had on the, you know, the. He had on the, I'm sanctified attire. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Sanctify, I'm sanctified. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Great sermon today, preacher. It's all God. It's all God. It's all God. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I, I got on the, the, the suit. So, so I, I got to be, got to act the part. Even if his presence is here, I got to hold it together. To sanctify to be. You know, I can't be doing all that. <laughs> Amen. I gotta, gotta carry it a certain way. Yeah. Amen. Amen. The Lord is here. He's here. He's here. <laughs> Act like it. Yeah. Yeah. When his presence is here, yeah. that's something to celebrate. Yeah. We, what? I mean, if he's here, yeah. you should act like you're happy yeah. that he's here. Yeah. I, 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 mean, I mean, some of us have become so common yeah. that we can get in God's presence and be like, yeah, that's good. Yeah, welcome home, Dad. Great. Awesome. Holy Spirit's here. Awesome. And look, look, I'm not saying that everybody has to break out in a dance like David. All I'm saying is, is when his presence hits, something, whatever is normal to you, should change a little bit. (laughs) Here's what it says, 2 Samuel 6 and 15. So David and all the people of Israel, it wasn't just David that did it. Then all the people joined in. All of them that brought up the ark of the Lord. They they, they brought it up with shouts of joy and with the blowing of the ram's horn. And uh, when he finished, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. Listen, he, if, if, if you're in God's presence and you're usually like this, boom, just hit it here. Just go here. <laughs> I'm not even asking you to just run around and, right? Like, if that's not you, I'm not trying to make you something that you're not. Yeah. But if you don't do nothing during worship, yeah. at least come here. Yeah. Just be like, whoa, this, whoa. <laughs> Revival is breaking out. <laughs> Honey, you see my hands? Both of them up. I don't... God is moving today because, you know, I usually don't even do this. 
And for those that are already here, just go here. And for those that already go here, just step out your row. Give them a dip. You know what I'm saying? Give them a little, like, hey. So glad you in the house. Jesus, I love you. This woman right here is one of my favorites. When she's enjoying God's presence, she gets to twirling all over here. And and the only people that have a problem or that would be bothered are people with the spirit of Michael. Because when you don't have context to a person's praise, you judge it. It don't take all that. I am now officially distracted. My worship moment has been ruined. I cannot concentrate because this person's twirling in a liturgical fashion. Why are you looking at her? Screens are over there. If you know the song, close your eyes and go in. All I'm saying is, at least do as much here as you gonna do at 5.30. For one of those teams. You do know that the NFL is the most charismatic church in America. Yeah. Right? They're faithful to their, fi- their team, that's belief. Come on. Come on, They're man. filled with a spirit, that's beer. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, and they have a revival every time they see their, their team score. score. Yeah. Not even win, just score. <laughs> ah! They can be down 24. Here's the thing, when there's a celebration, celebrate. But don't over cheer. See, see, a real distraction is when we we over cheer. Have you ever seen an over cheerer? That's the point, we already scored the touchdown, we already high-fived, we already screamed, it's five minutes later. And they're still like, ah! <laughs> and you're like, I mean, you're cheering for the same team, and you're like, they need to calm down. <laughs> In worship, when we're, when we're rejoicing about his presence, yeah. then, then we should all be celebrating. Yeah. And when she's dancing during that time, that's appropriate. Yeah. You can join her, you can get that, you can do all of that. It wouldn't be appropriate if she was doing that while I'm trying to teach. That would be a true representation of over cheering. Now, if I'm like, okay, point number one, and she's like, mm. <laughs> then we would have a conversation. But she was doing it at the appropriate time. What were you doing? 
And again, I, we don't need a whole liturgical dance team next week. All I'm saying is give yourself permission to enjoy his presence. Now, before I move on to point number four, let me tell you why most people are not comfortable worshiping in his presence. Because you play how you practice. And if this is the only time you're in God's presence, it's unfamiliar to you. You need to be practicing this at home. And the more you get comfortable with doing this at home, I just want some people to practice this week. Go home, put on some worship music. Okay, I know you love your Beyonce playlist and your Kelly Clarkson and your whoever these people are. What's the other girl, the Shake It Off girl? Taylor. I love them all. But they're not going to put you in his presence, though. Right, good artists. I don't have no problem with them. But I mean, put on some music and actually lift your hands. Right, if you're just one of those people that just always, then I'm, just go here and just walk around your house. Because if you won't do it there, you won't do it here. The reason why I'm always jumping up and down or I'm on my knees in worship is because I do that at the house. My kids have come in and been like, oh, okay. <laughs> right? But I've normalized it for them. So that when, it's, when it happens here, it's not like it's out of the ordinary. I'm bringing an extension of my worship from home to his house. Practice being in his presence. Which brings me to point number four. Please write this down. God's presence reminds us of what he's done for us. Sarah had a perfect example of this during worship when she gave her testimony about how God spared her life when she was driving on the highway. When you have had an experience with God, when you can remember what he's done in your life, it makes his presence and your interaction with it different. 2 Samuel 6 and 20 says this, uh, when David returned home to bless his own family, Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him. She said in disgust, how distinguished the king of Israel looked today. I mean, just sarcastic, shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls like any vulgar person might do. David retorted to Michael, I was dancing before the Lord. And since you're judging it so harshly, let me give you context as to why. He chose me above your father and all his family. Michael, I know this looked indecent today, but I remember being in a field taking care of sheep and my own earthly father didn't want me in his house. And one day, I went to go deliver some cheese and some bread. And it turned into the greatest victory 
of my life. Your father hated me, tried to kill me, put me on the run. I was a fugitive from my own people. And God miraculously brought me back. And the place I had to escape from, he's now given me as a home. I went from a cave to a palace. And I don't have amnesia. I will dance. I will praise. I will sing. I will shout. I will clap my hands. I will lift my arms. I will stomp my feet. Anybody beside me can remember. I know where I was. I know what I've been through. I know what he spared me from. I should be dead right now. I should be in jail right now. I should have a disease that I should have died from right now. But God, who is faithful and just and merciful, has given me the grace to see another day. And I know it seems obnoxious to you, but it's normal to me. Something happens that's really, really surreal. And this is going to be a weird place to end this message. But that last verse, verse number 23. So Michael, the daughter of Saul, remained childless throughout her entire life. Let me give you the context. They were no longer intimate. Which means she could not experience life inside of her. She lost connection. Which means she also lost the ability to carry life. And you know... I feel like it's the same for anyone that doesn't invite God's presence into their life. You lose connection. You, use, you lose the ability to experience life and that more abundantly on the inside of you. So my exhortation to you today is to bring God's presence home. Don't make it a Sunday visit. Make it a permanent lifestyle. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you through this message? Thank you for listening to our podcast today. If you would like more information on our church, please go to www.embassycity.com. We would love to hear from you. Our prayer is that you have been inspired and transformed. Have a wonderful day and come back again.